And welcome to the TKW Podcast. I'm Matt Spendley, and I'm joined tonight by Kyle Maggio. What's going on, guys? And Anthony Corbo. Hey, hey. Guys, how we feeling tonight? What a uh, game, huh? The same as we felt on uh, Sunday <laughs> night, to be quite honest. Brutal. <laughs> it's the same thing. We even had to deal with a near uh, Mitchell Robinson injury, so Again, even, yeah. even a little bit more shaken up. It almost felt like a just shot for shot remake. It was awful, except, you know, they're in Oklahoma City this time. A 25 point loss to the Russell Westbrook less Oklahoma City Thunder. Paul George completely tore up the Knicks. You had Schroeder with 15, Grant with 15. Um, just an awful game. The Thunder hit 16 threes against the Knicks. The Knicks basically were a mess from start to finish, besides for some. I suppose moments in garbage time from the likes of Alonzo Trier and some others. Uh, so what exciting things do you have to tell me about this game? Someone have something to say. I mean, there's there was Kevin Knox for a little bit there. He was he was at least looking aggressive and looks like he's back pretty much healthy from that injury. So, I mean, he scored a little bit, but I, I mean, Robinson was able to, uh, you know, get to the offensive board a bit and Cantor looked good, you know, underneath the rim offensively. But that's that might be literally it. I might have just made Kyle be able to say nothing here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there was there really wasn't anything to go off of. Uh, it was nice to see Kevin stay aggressive. A uh, little inefficient, 5 of 16, but, you know, finished with 15 and 5 overall. I, I'd like to see, that was one thing that we talked about at length was, once Knox comes back, how aggressive is he going to be? Um, then he's at least been that. I don't really care about the inefficiencies uh, as a rookie, especially he's still like less than 10 games into his career. So um, so that was good. Timmy caught fire a little bit there in the third before it totally unraveled. So that was nice to see. Um, but it really was all for nothing because then it just swung right back out of hand. Cantor had a nice game, but Cantor's box score numbers are always nice. It doesn't really result. They lie. To- yeah, it doesn't really, it, you know, I, you know, I hate the the phrase empty stats and how it's totally overused yeah. nowadays. Because no, if you're on a bad team and you score a lot of points, no matter how effective you were, you just kind of get dubbed as empty stats. But like Cantor, it actually, and, and I and I like Cantor, but it does apply. So, I mean, that's that's pretty much it. It, it was mostly this, uh, you know, we, we were hoping for something a little bit different, I guess, with the starting lineup change which, I mean, we'll get into that now, but um, it, it was kind of a strange lineup, and Fisdale wanted to shake things up after the uh, blowout in Orlando, but we just got a blowout in Oklahoma City, so that's how that goes. Well, they got blitzed in the first quarter, so the one positive thing about the previous iteration of the Knicks starting lineup was that defensively they were quite good. They had a defensive rating under 100, which is an incredibly effective number means they were, they were playing good defense. They were able to shut down some drivers. Robinson was kind of protecting the paint. We had Frank and Dotson kind of, you know, warding off some potential drivers and playing some nice perimeter defense. And this unit just gets predictably gashed in the first quarter by OKC, you know, Paul George 
and uh, and Stephen Adams especially. Stephen Adams just destroyed the interior of the Knicks tonight, and all night they were just getting eaten alive around the rim, both for defense and in the pick and roll. Um, it did not get much better thereafter. I think it's pretty obvious this is a starting lineup that won't work. And although Fizz has said he doesn't make game-to-game changes, we've seen him give a starting lineup, you know, five to six games to see if it works and then make a switch. I find it hard to believe he can look at the fans and the players with a straight face and throw this unit back out there when they're back in action next. Yeah, didn't he say he was going to take everything like five games at a time? Do you think that still stands for uh, this starting lineup they broke out tonight? It's possible, but this one was just so, so bad. Yeah, I sure should hope not. I mean, I said this, all right, I kind of expected, and I think we were all in agreement that once Knox came back from his uh, ankle injury, that he was probably going to get inserted into the starting lineup sooner rather than later, especially uh, in light of the Lance Thomas injury. But I figured they were going to slot him in over Vonley, and they just threw him in at the three over Dotson. So I didn't really mind taking both dots in and I didn't understand taking both dots in and Frank out. It just seemed like one of the two would probably be, uh, probably be gone. But. Frank, we saw coming, but Dotson was very surprising considering how good he was for a while. Yeah. He had also had a couple quiet games though, too. Yeah. So I wasn't shocked. It wasn't, I wasn't shocked, but I mean, like, I don't know. It's, it's, I, I just thought he would have had a little bit more room to, you know, have a couple of thought games. I, I think I brought this up in the last pod, or at least I was talking about it on Twitter, but um, that sounds a guy who's always going to be more successful when the shot creators are on. So prior to the Orlando game and um, probably the Washington game too, you know, when Timmy was really rolling, it was easy. And Trier was rolling for a bunch of those games too. It was really easy for Dotson to be like the third man just sitting wide open. But if Timmy's not going to be hitting and you know, defenses aren't going to collapse on him and close out on him as hard, then Dotson's not going to really have a ton of breathing room or, uh, many open looks. So he's just more useful. Like you mentioned when he's playing with other players that can create, and he's a better spot of option. I want to talk about Knox real quick. Cause I thought he was bad tonight and I'll, I'll take the 15 points all day. And we have mentioned in the past that we don't really mind about the efficiency, but I don't mind the efficiency when he's taking good shots that are in the flow of an offense. His shot selection tonight was just absolutely. He did brutal. throw we a saw, lot of th- shots away. Yeah, we saw a lot of the bad habits at Kentucky rear its head. We saw him in transition a couple times, turn a blind eye to others. He had a couple where he just went up three or four on one, had a couple guys open and, and missed him. He did have one in transition when he dished it off to Timmy, who nailed the three. But around the rim is somewhere where he's going to really have to improve. He simply can't finish strong at the rim yet. It's not something he's comfortable with. He cannot finish through contact. And you hope that comes when he puts on more, more weight, when he's able to get stronger and when he's more confident in his finishing ability, that'll come. But I didn't think he played very well tonight and it, that showed in his shooting. But again, it's the shot selection that speaks more to that. I'll take the 15 points and five boards, but I still think that a lot of the bad habits that we've seen that I was worried about him coming into the NBA kind of showed off tonight. Just feels like nobody's ever showed him how to finish when he drives to the rack. It does feel like that. Like yeah. I tweeted, I tweeted that uh, Doc shoots his layups like the wacky waving inflatable. Completely two-back. accurate. 100% because spot on. He, he just, but he just flails. It's not just like one thing. It's not like one of his arms hangs out. It's like his limbs everywhere go in different directions. Like his legs are just kicking out. His arms are just flailing. It's just very, 
it's very strange. And, and I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt because he is, you know, what, 19, 20 years old. And um, he's a rookie. I mean, he's a young rookie. Um, but it just doesn't seem like he's super comfortable in his own body yet. So it's it's kind of amusing. But, I, you know, I also want him to clean it up. So, Matt, could you watch a lot more college than Kyle or I do? What do you like? What's the biggest difference? What's been his biggest problem adjusting to since he came into the NBA? Like he was a scoring machine when he when he was in college. What's why can't he get it together? Even look like he fits into a flow of an offense in the NBA. Yeah, I think it's it's that is definitely part of it. In college, you're not faced with the level of physicality and the level of athlete that you inevitably end up facing once you come to the NBA. So when he's able to drive and get to the rim in college, sometimes you can get away with that because opposing centers are these six, seven, six, eight, you know, two thirty guys that you can kind of meander around and that he can finish over the top of, which is something he does incredibly well. That was one of the main things we talked about coming into the league on his offense in his jump shot and in his layup around the rim and in his floater specifically, he's able to elevate over the top of a defense and effectively finish. In the NBA, that's harder to do when you're going against a Steven Adams down in the paint and even a Jeremy Grant, who is just a stout, strong defender and Neron's Noel and all these guys they have down low. It makes it more difficult for him to pull off some of the moves he was able to in college, thanks to the caliber of athlete that he's facing. And that goes hand in hand with some of the shot selection we've seen because it happened at Kentucky. His shot selection at times was troublesome. And he wasn't able to quite turn some of those looks that should be nice opportunities into good, efficient scoring chances. I like him taking seven threes, but some of those threes are coming. You know, they're one dribble pull-ups. They're kind of, let me catch the ball, wait a second, and then take the three. He still has opportunities, and it's just hard because the Knicks just don't have many guys that are very creative with the ball. Moutier did have a few assists. Most of those came uh, to Mitchell Robinson, I'd, I'd have to look exactly, but it sure felt like that. They had a couple nice layups and, and connection, but the Knicks don't have great point guards to set up their players. And for someone like Knox, that puts a little more responsibility on him. You're asking him to do a little more offensively by himself, which of course, isn't the best way to allow a guy that's going to be a great scorer to grow. It puts stress on his game and it's going to make him inherently inefficient, no matter what the Knicks are able to do around him. I mean, that pretty much just sums it up. Like it's he's he's definitely going to have to learn how to fit in with all the pieces around him. It's, you know, no one really knows who's going to be the lead, you know, the lead option moving forward with this Knicks, especially with, you know, KPF for the rest of the year. Exactly. And it's so early, you know, it's and this isn't a team that is long for the Knicks. Like even next year, we might not see some of these guys on the roster. So with Knox, we've said this forever. All you want to do is see some positive signs. I didn't see many positive signs for him tonight, despite him scoring 15 points in his first NBA start. Yeah, I don't think I would. I don't think I'm going to panic until it's like game 30 something. Like that, that Knox has played. You know, right now I'm still. I think he's still just trying to get acclimated. Yeah. Um. Obviously, it's a big jump in competition from college to summer league to you know preseason to actually playing a meaningful regular season game. So. Um, uh, we'll see what happens. I'm still encouraged that he's finding ways to get double digit points. Now this is like yet another game that he's played 20 plus minutes and made sure he's gotten double digits. Yeah. Hopefully he cleans it up, but I think that's just going to come with a little bit of adjustment, but we'll see. I just don't think it's really worth it at all to panic about 
anyone this year. And I, oh, let's no. yeah, that's really we talk, all right. Let's let's yeah. shift this a bit because I want to talk in general because you'll see you've seen this on our account and you know it's kind of funny how the tune shifts so quickly because the Knicks have now lost their last three or four games by an average of 22 points after some people thinking that, oh, maybe this team isn't as bad as we thought. This was always going to be a bad basketball team. If you would have told me they were four and 11 after 15 games, I would have said that sounds about right. This is about where we would have expected them to be. So I don't think there's any reason for us to feel like down in the dumps after a game like this, based on our expectations. This is exactly what yeah. was supposed to happen. A game like this sucks. Losing by 25 always sucks, when, especially when it's a game that is a blowout from the get-go, which really prevents you from having any strong takeaways from a game. But this is exactly what this team was always going to be. So I'm confused about where we, where we stand, because we need to make sure we're all, we have a clear head, and we make the, the Zion Williamson jokes who had a couple just, Fabulous plays again tonight. Not surprising, but let's just, let's always be honest with ourselves here about what the team is. I'm not going to lie. I caught myself cheering at one point about our draft position. It's I, not too early. We, we said it last week. Yeah. May, may I read uh, the Zion Williamson averages through oh three my games? God, please. Oh, please. Yeah, please do with it. Give us a uh, little morphine here. Zion Williams is averaging 25.3 points per game. Zion Williams. Uh, Williamson is averaging 10.6 rebounds per game. <laughs> Zion Williamson is averaging three blocks per game, and Zion Williamson is shooting 82% from the field. What's what's he shooting from the floor? 82%. Holy 32 fuck. of 39 from the field. Oh, well, my God. Say that again one more time. All right. Uh, everybody, please make sure you're sitting down this time. Sit okay? down, please. Zion Williamson is shooting 82% from the floor. 32 of 39 from the field. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Do you, we just I, talked I, I about the last time. Do you, see how, do you see how high he jumps? It's absurd. Like it, He looks like he jumps out of the gym. I don't know if I've ever kid, seen anyone jump like this man does. The kid is almost 300 pounds, and he jumps like 14 feet in the air. I was listening to Bill Simmons' podcast today, and I think he made a good point. Even when he gets to the NBA, when these guys get to the NBA, they put on more muscle. Like he's going to be in the NBA. He'll probably weigh over 300 pounds when he comes to the NBA and in his peak physical form, which is just completely unheard of from a professional athlete. We have never seen anyone like that. I was seeing the the size comparisons for him, like all the athletes that they were saying that he weighs more or equal to. He weighs as much as Bartolo Colon. (laughs) <laughs> oh, Tolo, big sexy. He, he weighs as much as Bartolo Claude. And he's got, what? how high is his vertical? Like it's 40 inches? Too, too yeah. damn high. It's too lot. fucking high. Yeah. <laughs> it's unbelievable. He weighs more than JaVale McGee. He's breathtaking. And it's been three games, but it's already... He looks like a compact shack, you know? It's just very... I can't wait to see him in a Knicks uniform, my God. Oh, that'll be the day. Um, all right. Is there anything else you guys wanted to hit on in this game? Because there's a couple other storylines that we could we could peruse. If I mean, you so choose. I mean, to, to nobody's surprise, it was a it was a rough night on the boards. I think everybody saw that coming. Yeah. I mean, Mitchell just kind of got bullied by Stephen Adams. <laughs> he only finished with one rebound, a couple blocks. But I mean, even uh, Von Leg couldn't really get in there. They're a tough team to rebound against the Thunder are. So um, there's only one. There is only one player in the NBA that Zion weighs less than. Do you know who that is? Boban. It's Boban. Yeah. Oh, that, yeah, that's a big boy. 
<laughs> it's a big Boban is like seven eight. If you're getting compared physically to Boban, you are a freak in a good way or a bad way. But that's the whole debate that people talk about, right? Is Zion Williamson fat or is he like just a menace? Dude, if you debate. can jump like 40 inches, then I'm you can be <laughs> as heavy as you need to be. Let's talk uh, before we get into some other stuff. Let's talk briefly. So we saw Trey Burke as a DMP again tonight, and we saw Moutier play 21 minutes, seven points, five assists. You know, again, it, it, you could say whatever you want about Fizdale's lineup choices, which I, I think tonight's lineup was an absolute farce. I, I don't see why the Knicks decided to go with this unit. It was clearly going to be a disaster from the game. Echo, but whatever. He's going to experiment. I've been frustrated with the lineup choices, but I'm not going to get too crazy about it. Let him go out there and see what happens. They lose a game like this. It's whatever. You lose by 25. The team stinks. Moutier is never going to be a good basketball player. Please have no disillusions about what he is as a player. No delusions of grandeur that he could even become an average NBA player. He's bad, but it doesn't matter because I said it on the last podcast between him and Trey Burke. Neither of these guys should be promised any sort of minutes. They are both not going to be long for this Knicks roster. Trey Burke is a better player than Emmanuel Moutier, but he's not good enough to the point where they need to guarantee him any sort of minutes. And we saw Frank play 21 minutes again. I don't think the minutes from the box score tell us all that much in a blowout like this. It just doesn't matter. But any other new impressions from the guard rotation? Should we have any takeaways after a game like this? Here's my takeaway. Zion Williamson is almost identical in size to Yankee slugger Alan Judge, who's lit, who Aaron Judge, Alan Judge. Alan Judge. That's I like uh, Alan Judge better. No, I do too. Who's six seven, two hundred eighty two? He's a hundred pounds heavier than uh, Terrence Ferguson. I don't. The guard rotation could be as bad as it needs to be right now. Like, just keep the losses coming because I like I, I can't get off it. I'm just still dreaming of Zion. But for real, like Frank has been invisible lately, and that's really a bad sign. I think we'll probably answer to any question about any sort of like lineup rotation, just a Zion Williamson fact for the rest yeah, of the year. That's, like, that's, you all, know? that's it. That's all I really care. <laughs> and the only other wish I could have is that Frank Neil Aquino would come around and that's it. Like Moody is forever going to be bad. We're cool with that. Yeah. You know, like, I don't, I don't know. Are we going to, uh, all, all I'm hearing now is Courtney Lee for Markel Fultz. Are we going to, are we going to try to get Markel Fultz right too? I mean, if Philly does that, I'll, I said, I'll drive Courtney Lee to the freaking train station, but that's not happening. Yeah. But my, my only takes with the, uh, with the guard stuff is Frankie's got to shoot the fucking ball, man. I'm, I'm, I can only, can only defend this shit for so long. You just got to shoot the fucking ball. Yeah. He gets so many, so many decent looks that he's just not shooting. And the defense doesn't really close out as hard because they know he's not going to shoot it. He, it's like he puts a cap. It's the same five shots every night. And then he goes one of five or two of five to start. And then that's it. And then on the rare night where he goes like two of three to start, he goes off for like 15 or 16 points. Just shoot the fucking ball because then it's frustrating. Cause then the stuff that you do do well, we can't defend you over and over, you know, with it because people just got to get tired of it. If you're not going to score, like there was a stretch at the end of the third quarter where he made, I think it was four straight defensive plays. He, uh, I think it was Schroeder, but he, he cut one of the guards off. Um, on a fast break, they just went right into his body. He played the drive perfectly. They had to kick the ball back out, start the whole thing over. Blew, blew the fast break up. It was beautiful. He comes down, he gets a block, or um, I mean, he's getting through screens great. It's just the, he made like three or four really good defensive stops in a row that I caught. And then we can't keep using that because you can't score. Just shoot the ball. 
These are good looks that you get. Shoot the ball. That's it. And if you shot the ball more consistently, you probably wouldn't get benched. It's a really simple concept. Now, is the onus on Frank or the coaching staff? I think I'm being completely honest. I think it's on Frank. Mm -hmm. I think I think I think they've given him ample opportunity to get those looks. They pushed him to be more aggressive and gave him the starting uh, lineup. They you know they gave him the reins there with that message, and it seemed to me like he had the greenest of lights. And then for you to just kind of give up on that, like that's not. I understand he's a smart basketball player. I understand he's unselfish. He's got a high IQ. He doesn't want to force things. He wants to make sure these are really good, perfect, clean shots. But at some point, you got to get comfortable taking those good shots that aren't great. It just feels like he doesn't have an interest in doing that consistently yet. And that's very disappointing. It is. And hopefully that's something that comes. Because even last year, it felt like the coaching staff could even say to a certain point, you know, we're going to let you do this. And at the end of the year, when they had completely tanked and they were still just trying to to get to that finish line, you felt like Frank had an opportunity. And at some point, you got to ask more of him. And the coaching staff just needs to keep encouraging him. I think, and I, everyone that listens to this program knows, I just really want to reaffirm for everyone out there on November 14th at 10:43 PM, how much I despise Mario Hazonia. I cannot stand watching this man play basketball. And I'm going to say it every single episode. I, I can't, he makes me so aggravated. Everything he does on the basketball court makes me angry. Watching him and Cantor defend is just grating. It hurts my eyeballs. He just has a very low left uh, effort level too. There's a couple times that I were very driving. Yeah. I mean, he drove in a couple of times. It just made, two like really blatant turnovers or bad passes. And he didn't even bother to get back on defense. He just kind of like, he wasn't even mad at the ref, like nobody. He was just kind of mad at himself and just, he, he threw his arms up and like, they kind of came down hard on his sides. Then he just, he just kind of moped for like half a second and then started to jog back on D. It's like, you gotta, you gotta get back, man. You gotta, you gotta do something. You're not impactful anywhere. Just anything. Just do one thing good once. I think he was three of five at one point, oh. and then he missed his next four shots. I told you the good. I told you last week the thing that he's good at is getting a defensive rebound, looking like he's going to push the ball, and it's those three seconds of that happening that he looks incredible at. He like he's got like he's got like I the feel height. Like that's a real takes, bad indictment on his game as a player. He takes like two really good dribbles. He's a big. He's a big. Uh, you know, I mean, he's a four, so he's a four who can run the floor. Takes like two or three aggressive dribbles. He's looking. He's got like the vision for it. He it makes you feel good. It makes you feel like he's gonna do something. And then he just throws some weird. You know, he he fakes the shot, kicks it out, and then it's a turnover. Or he just fumbles the ball because his handles aren't good, and it's a turnover. It's just a very, he's a very strange like uh, player to watch, like to actually watch and take in because it's very conflicting. He's just an excellent tank commander. He might be my my favorite tank commander. Yeah, and I was going to say, last year, I, think. I was going to say, we joked around Moutier about him being the tank commander, but Moutier is not good, but at least he's, he tries. Like, at least, like, you can identify things that he tries to do well on a basketball court. I just don't know what, I don't know what his own, like, I don't know what his game plan is ever. I never understand. Neither does he. And that's his biggest fault. It's absolutely disgusting. I, I, I simply cannot handle it. 
So um, what's, what was also interesting to me about this game was uh, the fact that we decided to stick with the quote-unquote worst front court in the league. Um, did we see anything from Noah Vonley tonight? Because, Lord, I do like I, he just looks lost out there to me now. Yeah, a couple of nice yams. Yeah. I... I just like I just can't tell if he's going to be like underneath the rim or if he's going to be at the line. Like I just feel like his shots coming from anywhere, and I I've never I'm just not confident about it going in. I like like yeah he can like he can get underneath the rim and he can score from like right under there. But you know I just I wonder I worry about his fit next to Robinson. He's just so inconsistent to me that I I don't know. I would rather have seen the front court get shaken up a little bit than see Dotson come out of the lineup personally. He tried to do a little too much on offense. He had this one really strange, like step back mid range jumper. I'm like, dude, that, that is not your game at yeah, all. That's kind of what, that's kind of what I mean. Like he, he's just yeah. so unpredictable out there. Sometimes he's just an interesting guy to pair in a front court with. And we had Jack write a piece on this earlier. I think it was this week, if not the end of last week about how the Knicks have the worst front court shooters in the NBA because they don't take any threes and how that hurts their offense. Because they don't space the floor because between Vonley and Robinson, who have been the two starters for the last handful of games, they're not spacing the floor at all. And then when you have someone like Emmanuel Moody on the floor, who I liked seeing him take two corner threes tonight, but he didn't make either of them. All of a sudden you're looking at your only shooters as Tim Hardaway Jr. Who has to do a lot of ball creation too. So he doesn't spot up all that much. A lot of his threes come off the dribble. And then Kevin Knox, who we saw have to rely on threes in that same way off the dribble, which is not ideal. He had a couple nice opportunities to spot up, but those are going to be few and far between the lack of shooting from the front court has certainly been an issue. We saw Cantor hit his second three of the year tonight, but it didn't exactly come in the flow of an offense. It was kind of in the corner, a little contested. So that hurts and Vonley doesn't help there. He did take a three, but he's not ever going to be a big threat from there. Although it's something if he ever becomes a, a nice rotation cog, which I still enjoy his game, uh, a three-point shot would have to be something that he'd develop. And maybe that comes and maybe it doesn't. You know, I, I feel like the more likely option is that it doesn't. Yeah, I'm not worrying about any of those three players developing their three-point shots. I just, I'm... I'm... Even if Cantor, who is definitely the most offensively solid of the three of them, develops a three-point shot, he's not going to be back here next year. And like Moody and Vonley might, but I just I'm I'm still low on them. There's like, even though Vonley played well to start the season, even though Moody had has had a good game or maybe even two this so far this season, it's like. I, I just, I, I just, it's so hard to find any kind of sense of consistency from either of those players that I, I just wouldn't be able to even trust it if they got on a streak. Yeah, yeah, and that's why these guys have bounced around and not made NBA homes at this point and are signing, you know, veteran minimum deals. That's how this goes. I think in general, when we're looking at tonight's game, we saw atrocious defensive performances from the likely candidates. We, I know we like to hype up Tim Hardaway, but he was awful defensively. Paul George ate his launch. The Thunder just destroyed the Knicks in the paint. The Knicks had issues defending the three-point line, even when the game was kind of still within reach, but not really. Diallo just completely eviscerated them with his energy. They were lazy. They were slow to get out, and there's really no excuse. They hadn't played since Sunday. Uh, Not a good game 
not a good game. So back to back tough losses. Uh, nothing good. So, Kyle, are uh, are we going to talk about this KD thing or what? Uh, I'd like to, uh, but I'm 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 on uh, I'm on record saying that. Um, while I, I'm going to get these jokes off and I'm going to get them off frequently, that I don't think he's actually going to come. I'll believe what I see it, not a second before. But the jokes, though. Ah, yeah, jokes. I'm gonna, I'm gonna listen. They're, they're I mean, <laughs> I, I, I do, I do believe this. Like, I, I think it's very clear that he's going to leave. Um, by by all indicators that we got coming into the season, by what just took place, and the very telling. Um, by the very telling quotes that kind of came out today by uh, Marcus Thompson of uh, The Athletic, it just kind of reads that way. Um, I don't think that he's going to come to the Knicks. I, I stand by that. I, I think he leaves. I just don't – maybe the Clippers or um, – I know the Lakers were rumored now, but I just don't think he's going to – No. I mean, I'm it, still it, in it'd, on be, this. it'd be nice. I'm it, still in nice. on this. No, no, it's not just uh, it's nice. I think all the signs are pointing towards it so far. Look, I don't think I don't don't want we do this all the time. I I know we do this all the time, but this is the first one I can actually feel somewhat solid about. Look, like everyone's making a big deal about this lip reading thing, which is definitely he definitely didn't say what everyone thinks he's saying. He did not. He did not. But like, it doesn't matter. There's this shit still going down. Even if it wasn't going down, he'd be leaving. And like it just everything just makes sense. I still think, you know, he might look at a different team and go there, but. So far, everything, it just makes the most sense for Kevin Durant to go to the Knicks. Well, all right, let me ask you this question. Would you be more upset if he stayed in Golden State and didn't come to the Knicks, or if he left and went somewhere else that wasn't the Knicks? If he, I think if he left and went somewhere else. Because yeah. if he stays in Golden State, like, you already, you already made his bed there, you know? Like, that's just, it is what it is. That decision's already been made and, and it would take a little bit longer but at some point someone's going to beat him like anyway. I, I think that the situation i'd be most mad at is if he leaves and goes to la um for the, the clippers no, 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 for the lakers sorry I, there's they, no shot in hell he does that i just don't buy that he would never go play with lebron i don't buy that for a second i'm out on that one that well that that's what i mean i would lose my mind because then i'd be like are, yeah. are you kidding me so you had this great team in Oklahoma City, the, all you had, all you guys had to do was not choke against the Warriors, and you would have been fine. And you, and you do, right? So then, whatever. So then you leave, you go to the Warriors. You're, you're already going to be probably an all-time great if you just stayed in OKC. But whatever, you leave to go to the Warriors. You, you get your rings. It's, it's fine. Whatever. We, we made peace with it, even though you know I still have all my snake joke tweets that I got to delete. But it is what it is. Easy and scrub. Then, Easy scrub then, when it comes. And then, and then. After taking all that scrutiny, and you know how personally he takes it, you know how sensitive he is, then he's just going to up and leave and go, well, my time here is done. I'm going to go play with LeBron now before he, <laughs> before he can't win any more rings. Because then it's just like, if you do it once and then come back, like, I get it. LeBron's like, I need some help. I'm going to win some rings. And then I'm going to go try to do it the old-fashioned way again. But to just, just keep skimming from, like, all-time greats to all-time greats, it would just really piss me off. And it's not as talented a team, obviously, as Golden State is. It won't be probably barring them getting like Kawhi, but um, I would just be irate if he went to the Lakers. It just, I really would be. That I, I don't know what I. Oh my god, I, I get mad thinking about it. I don't think I, I would just, be too upset if he went to the Lakers. Like, I, I, I mean, that makes no sense too. But I don't yeah. think there. I again, I don't. Like I don't think, point, look how silly his career would look. 
it would look dumb. Well, he wouldn't get credit even if the Lakers ended up winning a title with him. I, that just makes no sense from a legacy standpoint. But is that something yeah. KD cares about? I, I, I was just, talking about this in Slack today. I don't even know if he cares about his overall legacy. Because I, I, I think he does. I'm gonna be honest. I'm I'm gonna be honest. I really think he just wants to play somewhere where he could be the best, like the best, unquestionably the best guy on the team, like with like Miles above. But I think he's just he's done with all this, like having to deal with Russell Westbrook, having to deal with you know Draymond Green, having to you know deal with all the all the who's better, Kevin Durant or Steph or everything. I think he just wants his own team for the first time. So I will gladly hand the Knicks over to him. The Clippers do make a lot of sense, though. I do, I do think that's a completely viable destination. But if he ever won a title with the Clippers, no one would really care. It's like, you know, great. KD won this title. It's cool. But the the argument for New York is obvious. We don't need to spell it out for everyone. It's that if he ever came to New York and won here, he would be a legend forever. But again, I just don't know if that's something that KD wants to take on after listening to, to what he says, after kind of getting a gauge for what he is, at least what he lets on. I just don't know if he's the kind of guy that wants all of that pressure heaped onto him. I think he just wants to go out there and play basketball in a situation that he enjoys. If he comes to the Knicks and listen, we know the Knicks better than anyone. Don't listen to all of the people out there that are saying no one would ever play for the Knicks because James Dolan is a shitty owner. I don't know if that's the case anymore. It could certainly change on a whim. If the Knicks strike out in free agency, I think that they'll do something dumb. Like if they don't get someone, I wouldn't be surprised if they trade for someone that's on a big contract. Like they just trade for John Wall. Like that wouldn't surprise me if they end up striking out on these guys and make a dumb deal like that. But I just don't really think that the Knicks are this hands-off franchise anymore. I think NBA players are tuned in. I think they understand that the Knicks are building something. They're not doing anything dumb and they're just going about their business. And yeah. I, I, I like going I for John that. Wall would surprise me if I would like it would surprise me looking at at Perry and and where Mills has end up at this point like but that's if they strike out like I don't think they yeah. would just get John Wall to to pair with someone I think if it's ever like KD sign with the Clippers for a five year max contract I, like, I think honest to God like I I think they might just do, do I think they would be smart enough to wait it out one more year I think they would re-sign Chris Stubbs this year because they got to and give him his max contract. But they let that be the big signing, and that would be about it. I think that's a perfectly reasonable thing that could happen. And then, you know, you get the class of 2020, and you see who's who's in there and who, you know, whether it be another draft pick down the line or whether it be, you know, signing the free agent that year. You know, we'll just have to see. I, I, I would be surprised if they strike out if this, if this front office day, uh, didn't stand pat. It's all just wild speculation on our part anyways, but... I just yeah, well, we're and the, already the whole, this bad in November. Right. No, I know it, it's going to be a long while between that and us waiting for the draft. We're just going to be talking about everything to come. But I think even like people are talking about how the Clippers have this nice roster. And I do think the Clippers have a good roster and we've seen them be excellent this year. But if Katie leaves Golden State, I just don't know how important like the pure basketball part of this is because it's about in his mind a narrative perspective plus the basketball. But I would think that the narrative would be more prevalent depending on what his mindset is. But again, it's just, it's us trying to know what's inside his head, which we will never know. But at this point, I'd be curious to see what the betting odds are on him leaving versus him staying. This front office has also basically chosen KD over Draymond by suspending him for the one game without pay. 
So that's a whole nother thing because obviously Durant's a better player. They could always make a move to get rid of green and keep Durant. That's not completely out of the question. So that's, that's something we could see happen. I wouldn't rule it out. And they've had spats like this before, but this, I just get the stories are just so funny where it's like, you know, you're reading Yahoo sports and it's like green repeatedly called Durant quote, a bitch in the (laughs) locker room. It's so funny. No, it is funny. It cracks me up because I'm just picturing this in my head and I'm picturing KD just sitting there and then they're they're yelling at each other across the locker room and Draymond just going ape shit and Glaze just sitting there chilling out. Like <laughs> Damian Jones is like, where has this been the last two years? What what happened? What what is going on? I mean, for the Warriors, they have to get rid of someone, right? They can't pay everybody this summer. And I mean, if someone they if they all want to stay. They can make it happen. They'd have to finagle a little bit, but yeah, basically, I don't know exactly what they're capturing, but I, with Iguodala, you know, and Livingston, they have some other guys that are in the middle range that they can get off of to make it work. But no, you're right. Like if people right. talked about clay, I just don't think clay would ever leave. I don't, I don't think he wants yeah, to. Yeah. I don't think he's going to leave and I don't think they're going to. Asking the sacrifice if pay, leaves, you know? and they're able to move those good. contracts around and everything. Do you think they can re-sign DeMarcus Cousins? They can't. No, they, they can't. It's impossible. Because you can only sign him to 125% of his current contract. So he's getting paid $5 million. Oh, So basically yeah, the most yeah, they can offer him is like $7.5 or whatever the yeah. number would turn out to be. And Kerr so, is already on record saying that basically you know, he's here for a cup of coffee so that he can show that he's rehabbed and well, hopefully win a ring, and then... Uh, because of all that, go yeah. and get a fat contract somewhere else. No, yeah, I think it was just a couple of days ago he said it. Yeah, because he's yeah, gonna make no. more than the six point three million they can offer him. Someone oh, no, else. That, I, I I thought that they uh, if they could clear up the cap space, I forgot about the one twenty five percent thing. Yeah, so it's a weird CBA rule, but all speculation. Is there anything else that we wanted to hit on that's been in the news? I know we were getting off I, some uh, I, jokes because they're just they're just oh my god, I, I can't the the hilarity of it all. And I got one thing not Knicks too. related that I've been wanting to uh, to bring up because it's been bothering me for a few days now. Lay it on us. Um, in the Jimmy Butler trade, you know, you hear a lot about Thibodeau, you know, give it, finally getting rid of Butler, and you hear a lot about Jimmy Butler, and you hear a lot about how the Sixers, you know, the players who are on the team now, and you hear about Rocco and you know Sarge over there. The one name that I haven't heard come up through all this is Elton Brand. Like this is his first move as a GM. Like. Why do you think he has been so low profile when talked about considering this trade? And uh, and uh, is, do you think it was because he was mostly, you know, figured out before he was there? Or did he not have very much involvement of it, in it? Or, you know, I just have found it very strange that his first move as a GM hasn't been quite as praised as, you know, you might think it might be. Oh, so you're saying, let me get this straight. So you're saying if the Nets were to have made this trade, Sean there Marks. would have been Sean Marks would have been a genius, right? Uh, he would have fleeced, just flat out fleeced the Timberwolves, um, and he, yeah, he would just be a genius. And then we'd hear about it for like three or four weeks. There'd be multiple think weeks. pieces, three or four years. Oh, you're, you're right, multiple think pieces. But you're yeah. saying because this was Elton Brand in Philly, right? It's like it's being cares. it's being questioned a little bit more. It's a little you know less people care. And also, I just find it strange that his name isn't coming up in the conversation at all. Like, it's, I, it's as if he didn't pull the listen, trigger on this. And anytime, anytime you can uh, keep two role players instead of trading for Jimmy Butler, that's what you should have done. 
I think he's not getting as much credit because I think that this trade came a lot from even the higher ups. Like, I think it was such a a big trade. And we saw in Minnesota, Glenn Taylor was basically doing a lot of these negotiations along with Scott Layden. I forget the name of the Sixers owner, but I think this was like a big, big, big involved trade from the front office on down to the GM. So I think that's probably why I don't think Elton Brand was necessarily spearheading this from Philly's side and between handing those duties off. And then also Brett Brown, like I'm sure this was a real team effort and that's probably why it's not really being talked about in that way. I kind of want to push back on uh, what Kyle was saying too, because like Sards didn't have very much production this year. And like Jimmy Butler is a guaranteed improvement on Robert Covington. I think we can. Oh no. no, Even though Covington has a great contract, he's a great value player. But I, I, but, and also, you know, they didn't have to give up (laughs) the first round pick. They only gave the second. I I don't think that, uh, you know, giving up these two role players was a mistake. And, you know, when you get the player of Jimmy Butler's caliber. No, it wasn't because I was joking, but yeah, Jimmy, Jimmy is basically, you know, what you ever hope or dream that Covington could be, Yeah, you know, like he already replaces them as the elite perimeter defender, but he also gives you elite offense. And then, um, you know, Sarich is, is a fine guy. I, I, I like him more than a lot of other but people. But that's why do, it but. frustrates me so much that like this dude, it's his first, like it's his first real move. I I was, I was excited when I heard that Elton Brand was, I, was I getting thought, a seat I thought the immediately office. the Sixers fleeced them. And then you always hear like a couple of contrarian uh, tweets come out, but like, uh, oh, that, that's like, uh, that's, that's the best they could do kind of thing. And I was like, yeah, yeah I mean, they fleeced them. Yeah. You get five years of, of Jimmy Butler and it cost you Covington, which as much as I admire Covington as a player and for what he's fought to improve and, and become and the, the contract is just unbelievable. And, and, and the contract. And I always like Sarich. It's just, you know, those two would never be worth what five years of Jimmy Butler was worth, even with the probably bloated year or two at the end of that contract. Um, I just, they, yeah, they would never, and especially you didn't even have to throw in a first. Yeah. You throw in, it was, I think it was a 2022 second round pick. That, that's an amazing trade. It's a no brainer. Of course you do that trade. Do you do that trade? If you're in the Knicks position right now, let's say that, let's say those same players were around that were playing for the Knicks right now. Would you still pull that off? If it was those two? Yeah. Yeah. You, you'd have to give me like a more, a different example, I guess. I'm, I'm like just, yeah, you because know, Philly's in a winning position. If we had those two kind of role players on the team right now, but we were still building with a similar roster to we have right now, would you, I think, do you, would you still bring Jimmy Butler in here in there? Or is that just too accelerated of a timetable? It's probably, it's probably accelerating a little bit too much, but you have to look at it. it. This is assuming that we have the same year. The Sixers did last year, which they got to the second round of the playoffs and, you know, Embiid's first minute restriction uh, season, like he had a full season, but he was on minute restrictions most of the year and they still won 54 games. It was uh, Ben Simmons rookie year. So if you overachieve like that in your first, um, in your first season like that, it's almost kind of like the Yankees this year uh, going out and getting, or last year getting John Carlos Stanton after they overachieved the year before it got to the ALCS. Right. When you realize, when, yeah. When you realize your windows there, I mean, you, you, you go forward a little bit more. So I, I don't really, I, I would hope that the Knicks would try to swing for the fences like that. You can add a third star to a roster and not give up any major future assets. You do it every time and worry about the fit later because Butler is not a clean fit next to 
Simmons and Embiid, but you have to make that trade. You, you just have to. So there's our talk about the rest of the NBA because the Knicks stink. Yeah, there's nothing more, so, nothing more for us here. <laughs> it was basically, you know, we were rehashing a lot of the stuff that we saw on Sunday, and hopefully they can provide us with some more talking points, and we'll see some progression from from some of the other guys with a couple road games coming up on the weekend. So they'll be in New Orleans on Friday, and then they'll be in Orlando on Sunday. We'll see what happens with Ron Baker in New Orleans, because you guys remember what happened in, mm-hmm. uh, in New Orleans last year to Ronnie. Mm-hmm. His face was never the same. Yeah, they're going to have a, mem- uh, a memorial service. Moment of silence. Yeah. They're going to have it cut out. They're going to have like the white cut out, like in the naked gun when it's like yes. the white cut out in the, in the middle of the ocean. That's what they yes. need right on, right on the court. Hey, you're, t- you're too big to dream small. <laughs> All right. So with the Knicks back in action this weekend, we'll talk to you guys on Monday before that. Kyle, you have anything to plug? Oh uh, yeah. Just make sure you guys give us a five-star rating and a nice review. When you get done with listening to the yeah, pod, you know, you're we're, we're here. If you're not already. We're giving, we're covering the topics that you want. We're, we're giving you guys what you need. The service here is great. We're doing it. Give the people what they want. <laughs> um, make sure you subscribe to the Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash the Knicks wall. Uh, again, we're going to try to get the, the pregame shows rolling again uh, with there. So just make sure you're subscribed and following along. And then as always, uh, the merch is on sale, I believe. I think the sale is like three more nine. days or yeah. by the time this comes out, like two more days. Yeah, so uh, everything's 30% off. So all the jerseys that we released or all the classics that we have, like the U-Up shirt or oh, dude, the just, uh, Starks yeah. Dunk shirt. There's so much oh. there. Oh, man, that, that I talked about that hoodie last time I was on, and it finally mm-hmm. came in. and oh, it's It looked so comfortable. awesome. It's I so comfortable. It looks awesome. Yeah. So uh, it just, just check out the selection. Holidays are coming up. Black Friday's coming up. We'll have a sale for them, too. So You know, last um, year for my entire it, family, I bought them exclusively TKW merch. Company now you could do the same for your family. Yeah, listen, there's a, there's a lot more of you than last year, so just make sure you go check out what we have. Um, just there's a ton of options. I think we have probably over 30 or so designs, so you should find something that you like. And if you do want to see anything, as always, just add us on Twitter. Let us know. We'll figure something out. We'll mock it up. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it. And All also right. keep keep an eye on the homepage tonight. Just, wink, wink. Just keep an eye on the homepage. Just see how it looks. All right. So we'll talk to you guys on Monday. Until then, road to Zion.